Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about what's new for 2022. If you'd like to call in and talk about anything that's going on in your farm, though, we'd be happy to visit with you about that. The number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag a little bit later in the show. Um, but to start out today, I, I want to talk just a little bit about some of the things that I'm thinking about for all the farmers that I work with, I mean, on a day-to-day basis on the, in the Midwestern United States, and, and just for any farmer that's listening today. So supply and price. These are two of the biggest questions as we head into the 2022 growing season. And what I mean by price, I'm talking about input costs. So supply of inputs, price on inputs, and what does that look like for this next year? So let's start with that because I, I think that's what I've gotten the most questions on here lately other than agronomic issues. Well, we've got chem, we've got seed, and we've got fertilizer as three of the biggest input costs on our farm, and I assume it probably is for you as well. So one of the issues that we've got going on right now is just the world is still recovering from the whole COVID uh, issue that we've had here over the last year and a half. And there are a lot of countries that are still shut down. There are a lot of ports that are still maybe not shut down, but they certain certainly are not operating at full capacity. There are worker shortages, there are container shortages even, which sounds nuts, but you think about those great big shipping containers, and there's a worldwide shortage. So one of the companies that I was talking to this summer, big ag, ag chem manufacturer, they said, yeah, our cost is six to seven times higher for a container. So you think about just the inflation that there's been in terms of some of these prices that we've seen out there, everything from houses to vehicles and all that, but... It, it goes even as far as shipping containers and logistical costs. So when you add all that stuff up, you go, are we going to have a real problem? Our input's going to be just sky high. No, I don't, I don't believe that they are. So we'll talk specifically here in just a second about chem, seed, and fertilizer. But before I get to that, I want to come back to the supply issue. If you think about the container shortage and the logistical problems, yeah, we're, we're worried about those things impacting especially ag chem supply. But I'm also thinking an awful lot about the Chinese Olympics. So the Olympics, the Winter Olympics are going to be in China. We, we strongly believe that the Chinese government's going to force manufacturing plants to shut down just like they did back in 2008. And it's not just shutting down for the Olympics. It's shutting down possibly two months in advance of the Olympics. So you stop, start thinking about that. Well, if manufacturing plants in China are shut down for two, two and a half months, is that going to have an impact on the worldwide supply and price of egg chemicals? I would have to assume that it is. We also just recently had a hurricane that went through New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, Bayer has one of the largest glyphosate manufacturing plants in the world right there. And uh, you think that's going to cause a little bit of an issue with Roundup supply, potentially. 
it sure could. So I don't know if it will or not. I do know I toured that plant back in 2010, not all that long after Katrina went through. And they were just talking about how they had the plant running again. I think it was 12 days after Katrina. And, you know, yeah, it had a little impact on things, but it wasn't horrific. So anyway, well, we certainly hope that people down there are turning out okay. And we have to think first about the people, but then after that's done, then we start thinking about the impact on everybody that that hurricane could potentially have. And it's not just on the Roundup supply. You also start thinking about fertilizer supply. So the last time they had a big hurricane down there, I guess fertilizer prices went up. I was just talking to somebody who said, and I don't remember this, but he just told me fertilizer prices, like for dry fertilizer coming up the, the river, went up 30 bucks. So is that possible that could happen again? I, I don't know. It's certainly possible. Um, on the seed side of things, for soybeans, most of the soybeans produced are not under irrigation, at least in the Midwest. So you think about soybean supply for seed going into next year. Uh, could that be a little on the tight side? Sure could. I've talked to some of the major seed companies there. We're a little worried about it. So drought could have an impact there. Uh, you look at corn. Yes, most corn is produced under irrigation. So how's the supply going to be? probably pretty darn good, but there have been some recent windstorms, hail, things like that. So there are going to be certain specific numbers that you may want. And the seed corn company is going to go, yeah, sorry, our production got hammered on that. So we'll see. I, 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 I do think supply is going to be tight. I don't think it's going to be horrific going into next year. So that ties right together with price. You know, it's that old supply and demand thing. Uh, is price going to be up on ag chemicals? Yes. It's not going to be up a lot, though. I'd guess 5%, maybe 10%, other than two main products. Now, there will be some others up more than this. Uh, but it, these are the main products that are really up more than that 5 or 10%. Roundup, Liberty, and all the generics. There's not a lot of supply out there for a generic on either one. And so Roundup and Liberty, they're more than double in price what they were a year ago. So those are the two big ones that we see where there's a real issue for 2022. I would tell you too, if you want to buy some, now's a really good time, but don't get too carried away in what you buy because we believe that by 2023, prices will be coming back down. We'll see, don't know, but that's my personal belief. Uh, beyond that, we know fertilizer prices are roughly double. We know seed prices are up just a little bit, but not much. I mean, just a little. So I, I feel pretty good about ag chem and seed other than, of course, Roundup and Liberty. It's the fertilizer thing that's really hitting people. And so that's probably the, the area where I would just say really look at what you need for your soil. Do some soil testing. Maybe consider banding if you can in row crops things there are many things that are out there that can help you maybe not necessarily cut but at least make better investments in your fertilizer dollars so lots of opportunity in the future commodity prices are still pretty good but i just encourage you be locking up your supply a little on the early side and hopefully the price thing isn't hurting you too bad well stay tuned we're going to talk next about what's new in 2022 Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. <laughs> 
Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're talking a little about what's new and what to look forward to for 2022. First on the show, we've got Tony Bucci with us uh, with Ag Biome. Tony, how are you today? Hey, Brian, I'm good. How are you doing? Excellent. All right, so talk to us just a little bit. First of all, uh, I, I think for a lot of our listeners, they're not overly familiar with Ag Biome. So can you just explain what, what Ag Biome is and what you do there? Sure, yeah. So Ag Biome is an agricultural biotech company. We are based in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. And we like to say that we partner with the microbiome. So that's the microbial community that's located in the soil. Uh, we partner with that community to discover and develop new crop protection products that are biologically based. Okay. Well, I, I think a lot of people are on board with that new products biologically based. So what specifically do you have coming out for 2022? So we have a couple of new products coming out. Um, your listeners may be aware that we have Howler fungicide, which was launched um, in end of 2019. Um, in addition to Howler, we'll be launching two new products in 2022. We're very excited about both of those products. The first one is Thea fungicide, which will be a new active ingredient. Multiple modes of action uh, will be um, used on a number of different diseases for a number of different crops. That product we um, anticipate launching in Q1. And then in the middle of the year next year, we'll be launching another product called Ascendo fungicide, so um, two new fungicides. Ascendo is a nice transition product. It's actually a combination of a biological and a synthetic fungicide. So for those that are transitioning out of synthetics and want to move towards more sustainable production, Ascendo could also be a nice product for, uh, for those growers. That product is also um, very broad spectrum in its activity, and uh, both those products will be registered in both specialty crops as well as row crops like corn and soybean. 
Okay, so talk to us about what diseases a farmer might be able to control with each of those. Yep, so Thea um, is well known for controlling uh, diseases such as powdery mildew, which is probably the most common disease in the world. Um, also the downy mildews, um, alternaria, uh, but it also has activity in the soil. So for row crop growers who are battling Pythium, Phytophthora, Rhizoctonia, uh, Thea will be a great product to, um, to use for those applications. We also see um, activity against sclerotinia. Um, so for bean growers that are um, fighting white mold um, will be a great fit there. Uh, and then how about Ascendo? So Ascendo will be registered for, uh, for foliar use only, so it will not be um, registered for soil uses. Great rotation uh, partner for foliar diseases. Um, so again, you get that sclerotinia control, but if you're uh, growing uh, vegetables and fruits, um, you get you know, all the broad uh, activity that you might see with a product like Howler plus azoxystrobin, which is the synthetic active ingredient contained in Ascendo. So why add the synthetic? What are, what are you gaining with the synthetic? What are you gaining with the biological that's in there? Why the combination? So that's a really good question. A lot of folks that are using azoxystrobin already, so azoxystrobin is, is one of the largest um, active ingredients in the fungicide yes. discipline in the world, right? Yep. Um, so a lot of folks want to reduce how much azoxystrobin they're using, and they want to reduce that to replace that with um, a biological-based product. Um, to really preserve the use of azoxystrobin for longer. So um, reducing, you know, the amount that's in the risk cup, uh, EPA is always looking at that. But it's also a way to manage resistance. So when you've got two active ingredients in there, a biological and azoxystrobin, targeting the same disease or the same organism that's causing disease, what you get is great resistance management tool in a combo product. So I, I think for a lot of people they understand the benefits of having a biological product out there. But the concern has kind of been, all right, well, with a lot of these other bio fungicides that have come out in the past, they haven't been overly effective on certain diseases. So can you talk to us about how effective these products really are at actually controlling the target diseases? Absolutely. I mean, certainly 20 years ago, and I, I personally tested a lot of the biological products that were coming out, they did not live up to the expectations right. that a grower would have to control disease. Right. Absolutely true. Um, these new biological products, however, I mean, what we've done at AgBiome, we're, we're very science-based. Um, we fully um, sequence the genome of every microorganism so that we can find the exact organism that has the best activity against the target disease. So the sophistication around um, biological products has grown tremendously. We've also learned a lot about the benefits of biologicals outside of just the control and, and really to, to convince a grower to use a product that's biological-based. It has to be efficacious. That's the number one. That's the ticket to play. But we see other advantages as well. Um, we featured at Ag, um, the Ag PhD Field Day some work we had done on soil health, and we see that um, the use of biologicals can actually enhance the soil health that will inevitably result in higher yield potential. Um, so there's, there's definitely benefits outside of the higher efficacy we're seeing. And um, the other thing that we're seeing is that biological-based uh, product um, companies are now coming out with products that are also registered in row crops. So everybody was very focused on specialty crops, fruits and vegetables, 
And so one thing that's going to be new is a lot of our growers in corn and beans and cotton are going to start seeing some new biologicals there as well. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. You know, we kind of joke here on the show from time to time. We used to think of all these specialty crops where you might gain $1,000 an acre gross income. Well, (laughs) well, anymore, you're raising corn and you hopefully are going to be looking at at least $1,000 an acre of gross income. So that has changed a little bit. And then the other thing that's changed, I think, is just more of a desire for people to have something, we we like to call them natural products, things that already exist somewhere in nature. You you mentioned biological products. It's things like that. So people are certainly more interested. So here's my next question for you. We, We are very familiar with the synthetic chemistries, how they work in terms of fungicides, moving in the xylem of the plant. They only move upward. They Mm. don't move well leaf to leaf, like azoxystrobin that you mentioned there. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a great fungicide and all, but if I don't literally coat every single leaf on the plant, I do not get disease control. How about these biologicals? Will they move throughout the plant? So I can't speak for all biologicals, but what I will say is if you look at howler fungicide, for example, there's multiple modes of action. So some of those modes of action, so for example, with Howler, you've got cells um, that are in the product that are actively attacking cells that are on the surface of the plant that are causing the disease. Um, But you've also got other things that are happening, for example, um, causing um, changes in uh, the, the disease organism itself. So chitinases, which break down the cell structure of of the fungus, and multiple different modes of action. So whether biologicals are moving through the the plant um, is a question that we definitely have to keep researching. I mean, we do see some endophytic um, results with some of these um, biological-based products. Um, Howler does seem to have um, some endophytic properties where there is some colonization within the plant, Uh, but they're not moving through the xylem the way you think about traditional synthetic chemistry. Yeah, that's why I just thought it's going to be a little different. I just didn't know if you're seeing movement throughout the plant or let's say, I guess here's my last question for you. How about length of control? Because that's another thing that farmers are looking for. So the the products that you mentioned here, your new ones plus howler, how long do you usually tell people you can expect control? We tell people because it varies from crop to crop, from geography yep. to geography. We yep. tell people to expect the same length of activity that you would see with your standard product that you're using, so your synthetic product. So <clears throat> we've seen where people are going in with a two-week rotation or even just going in a soil application. They should expect to see the same results that they see with their current synthetic fungicide. All right. We've been talking to Tony Bucci with Ag Biome. Tony, thanks a lot for the time today. This was very educational. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. You bet. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting how our industry continues to change all the time. And there are new companies coming in. Like, I mean, a few years ago, you never even heard of Ag Biome. And here we have a bunch of things that are going to be right even in our markets and our crops that we raise on more of the bio side. All right, we'll continue talking about what's new for 2022 right after this. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. 
To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at AgPhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of AgPhD TV or radio, you can catch up at AgPhD.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming AgPhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at AgPhD.com. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, broadcasting today from the Morton studio. We're talking a little about what's new for 2022. If you'd like to call into the show, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, so next we've got Stephanie Zelenko on with us. She is with AgriLiquid. Stephanie, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. All right, so what's new from AgroLiquid going into 2022? Well, we have launched three new products um, late, starting late last fall into early this spring for our product lineup, and all of them are new products kind of fitting different holes that we currently had in our portfolio. And then those three products were limited basis for this past growing season and looking forward to 2022. We'll have those pretty widely available across the country. Um, some of them are still regionalized products, but for the most part um, across the country. So we can look at them in this next growing season. All right. So what are they specifically? 
so the three products we have, we have a fulvic acid, and that's a 7% fulvic, um, has a little bit of nitrogen and potassium in with that product. And then that one's going to be released across the country um, um, for this next growing season. Capitalize is one of our regionalized products, and this is a potassium product that also has some calcium in it. So this product was really designed for that southeastern part of the United States. So it's really highly weathered soils um, that we know are going to be low in those cations, that's uh, the potassium side and the calcium side. This is a, a readily available foliar. And again, we're looking at it in those southeast regions, but also expanding testing this, you know, following growing season for some of those specialty crops, fruits and vegetables that also thrive on those particular nutrients. And then the biggest product that we had uh, launched, which was just about a year ago now, is Spring Up. And this is our pop-up fertilizer. It's a 4-15-3, um, a primarily an orthophosphate form. And this works really well when mixing it with our Pro Germinator or if you're doing a dry fertilizer application to get some more quick feed phosphorus out there for the crop. Okay, I want to go back to the first product that you mentioned to begin with. So fulvic acid. A lot of people have been talking about using fulvic acid. What are you seeing when that gets used on the plant? Oh, and I should ask, where's your target? Is it foliar? Is it in furrow? How, how do you suggest people use that particular product? So that product, um, this is the first year. We did not do a, a whole bunch of testing behind it. Um, we're, again, just kind of looking to fill that that place in the market that there's a lot of people promoting fulvics out there. Right. Uh, we are doing it both foliar applied and soil applied. Um, we're seeing good results with both applications. And so it doesn't seem like it has one, you know, specific fit. And so far we're seeing, you know, like I said, pretty good results in this early testing that we have coming out in the field. And if growers are looking to have that piece to their overall nutrient puzzle, you know, it provides something that they can get and mix and have blended already with the other agro-liquid lineup. Yeah, I've had many high-yield farmers say to make foliar fertilizer work better, they have had good luck adding fulvic acid to that. Uh, but then you run into a lot of people who, like you say, are using it soil applied as well. We've done a bunch of that and we get response from that as well. So it does seem to help. All right. Uh, uh, so let's go to the, the capitalized product that you mentioned, potassium and calcium. And you brought up the southeastern United States and you said weathered soils. So what specifically about the soil are you seeing why a potassium and calcium product would be such a good fit in that region of the United States? Well, most of those weathered soils are, you know, pretty sandy, so they have that low holding capacity, and so they're not holding on to a lot of potassium or calcium or even magnesium for that matter, uh, and the ones that we see good crop responses to. And so, you know, knowing that we're dealing with those low CEC soils, that low holding capacity, you know, trying to target those specific nutrients for that geography specifically. Also looking at some of the crops they grow down there, you know, they're really high users of potassium, so trying to provide a one product that has that combination, you know, already pre-done so they can get both of those key nutrients that those crops need. So is there anything in particular you're looking for on the soil test? I mean, do you say, okay, if it's less than 10 CEC or, I mean, what, what ex is there something specific or, or, or not? There's not anything exactly specific, but, you know, the, you know kind of my guidelines is when we get below 10. Like you said, those single digit CECs are going to be, you know, an instant red flag for me. I'm also going to go back to that percent-based saturation. You know, if we're in those potassium levels, one, two percent, um, then we're going to need to start, you know, addressing with multiple forms of potassium, you know, just not a foliar, just not an in product. We're going to have to look at, you know, 
soil amendments through dry applications, and then this product capitalized can be one piece of that puzzle. Those soils aren't going to hold a lot of potassium, so you're going to need to look at multiple applications, and this being you know, primarily a foliar product can be a big piece of that puzzle. Yeah, quite often we talk about potassium here on the show, and I'm real big on you got to get your base saturation potassium numbers up. But we talk a lot about the soils we see predominantly in the Midwestern United States or in southern Canada where we have heavier soils. And so it's a different potassium discussion, well, plus the fact that our grounds froze like four or five months out of the year. So we just don't have that kind of leaching that you'd expect. I mean, heck, our I, I've been telling the story here for the last couple of weeks to, in all these farmer meetings that I've done where we had some uh, some people on our farm go out and spread dry fertilizer in a shelter belt. I'm going to say it was April or May this spring. I can still find some of the dry fertilizer granules on the soil surface. That's how little rain we've had. Well, right. am I that worried about potassium leaching? No. But in these no. sandy soils like you're talking about, I mean, absolutely potassium can leach, especially when you get three, four, six times the amount of rainfall that we do around here. So, yeah, it's a totally different discussion. Okay, so come back to uh, the the spring up, the last thing that you mentioned, uh, quick phosphorus. So what's compare that to like 103040 that's kind of the standard in the industry where a lot of people oh we've used 103040 uh but it's a high salt product so you can't use very much so what's different about this than like 103040 for example correct so one of the big differences is 103040 is primarily a polyphosphate so it's going to have that chain of polymer that needs to break down spring up is going to be um primarily orthophosphate so that's readily available phosphorus the downside is then it is, you know, susceptible to tie up in the soil. You know, the advantage of spring up compared to other, you know, pop-up type fertilizers that are out on the market is it can be safely applied in furrow up to 10 gallons per acre. And so if you happen to need that much, absolutely, you can go out there very safely. In most cases, our growers on corn are doing three or so gallons per acre. But where that safety really comes in is on those more seed-sensitive crops, soybeans, cotton, canola, things that we typically don't recommend a whole lot of in applications of any fertilizer on. Spring Up is a very safe product, and we can get away under some growing conditions with low rates still applied in furrow. All right, last question that I've got for you. A lot of farmers I've been talking to are a little nervous about fertilizer costs because they have gone up so much and they see many of these dry fertilizers just going through the roof on price. What do you see for any changes going into 2022? Do you believe there's going to be more banding? Or, I mean, what's your recommendation to a farmer who says, I got to figure out some way to do this at a reasonable cost and still get a good crop? Right. Well, you know, I farm with my husband. And so that's, you know, a big topic that's discussed, you know, at work and at home for me. And looking forward at the commodity fertilizer prices that are, you know, public out there, you know, we don't see any changes coming in those. So my suggestion as agronomist is, you know, go back to those basics, look at your soil test, understand exactly what your crop needs. Be realistic with your yield goal and make sure that you're applying the nutrients, you know, on that economic side and pay attention, you know, this might be the years as, you know, we have higher price fertilizer is to make sure that we're pinpointing that nutrition and only using and spending those dollars the best way we can and where we need to spend them. Yeah, I I just still come back to, I think we're going to have a lot of people banding fertilizer going with some of these highly available liquid fertilizer sources like you were talking about because, 
when you broadcast, a lot of fertilizer, a lot of that fertilizer does not get used in the year it's applied. Well, it's not as big a deal if fertilizer's cheap, <laughs> but when fertilizer's expensive, right. especially if it's on rented ground, you go, hmm, do I really want to do this? So anyway, should be interesting. All right, well, we've been talking to Stephanie Zelenko with AgriLiquid. Stephanie, thanks for the time. All right, uh, so... Today on the show, we've been talking about what's new for 2022. We're going to get back to that in just a little bit. We also have your questions coming up in the Ag PhD mailbag. Uh, if you've got a question for us, you can certainly email us radio at agphd.com or you can call into the show 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to weed control... Our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near-zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weave Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal app today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking about what's new for 2022. Next on the show, we got Trevor Dale with us. He's with Valent. Hey, Trevor, how are things going today? Uh, going very good, Brian. How are you? Excellent. All right, so at Valent, good. you actually have a number of new products. I don't know if I'm going to have time to get to all these, uh, but I had some questions for you. So first one on my list was, ex- I assume you say it, Excalia uh, fungicide? Yes. Yep. Okay, so tell us just a little about that. What is it exactly? So it's a, it's a new fungicide that we, uh, I guess, launched in peanuts and sugar beets in 2021. Um, it's just fantastic control of rhizoctonia. And so there's some, some crops where we have foliar use patterns. I guess it depends on the disease Um or when the disease sets in, and then we also have it, or we call it Zelterra, as a seed treatment. And currently, that's available in rice and sugar beets. Um, sugar beets, incidentally, has Zelterra as a seed treatment option, and then we also have Excalia as a foliar option, uh, because you can get multiple stages of Rhizoctonia and sugar beets. Um, and then towards the end of 2022, we are expecting registration on uh, soybean seed treatment, uh, a whole new package for that use. Yeah, that was where I was going to go next. Not that I'm not interested, uh, Trevor, in peanuts, sugar beets, and rice, but since I don't raise any of those three crops on my farm, I was curious, uh, because we have a problem with rhizoctonia. It may not be horrible or anything, but we still have a problem. So what's the outlook for crops then beyond soybeans? Well, we're expanding. I think the next registration after soybeans is going to be cereals and potatoes. Uh, don't ask me the exact time frame, but I'm guessing 23 for that. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about it because, uh, well, years ago I was on the tech side and worked on some of the early development of this, and this, this particular compound is just fantastic on Rhizoctonia. Okay, so you mentioned Zelterra, and that was one of the other ones I wanted to ask you about. Zelterra sweet for soybeans. So you're saying that's not labeled yet, but it, it hopefully will be uh, maybe by spring? Um, spring or some, I can't remember the exact time frame, but it's sometime during uh, 2022. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's probably not going to make the... The growing season. All right. So. so that Zelterra sweet, then you'd have that fungicide in there that that has the activity in Rhizoctonia, but you got a number of other components in there too, correct? Yes, we do. We've got a new uh, strobiliarin. It's called Mandastrobin in there. And uh, I was also on the development side of that one. And I was kind of thinking, why, well, you know, another strobiliarin, there's a bunch of them already on the market. Yep. But this is actually uh, unique in that. It has activity on pathogens that the current uh, strobilurins are active on and doesn't seem to have activity on the pathogens that they're active on. So while it is still a strobilurin fungicide, it's, it's really unique, um, a unique molecule. So that'll be part of it. Um, we have the Empire Fluxum or the... Excal- or, uh, Zelterra component yep. and metal axle and of course you have ethoboxum and then the insecticide is clothianidin so it's going to be a completely new package 
Now, Trevor, I hope that's going to dry well on the seed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're looking at 3.7 out, seven, eight ounces. Um, typically, we recommend uh, getting the slurry solution up to five or six. But yeah, no, it's uh, we've got some trials out with it this year, and we'll be looking at more next year. It's uh, we've had fantastic yield results with it. It's going to be a it's going to be a big thing. So. You know, it was interesting, right before I started the radio show today, I was talking to some people about Carbon, and it's a company that really wants to to push that, and so I'm I'm going, okay, and I'm talking about carbon index scores of crops and everything else, because my whole contention is, okay, I don't care if we're talking about solar or wind or, you know, any of these sources for power, none of them can be below zero for the carbon score, but biofuels can. So... Anyway, the, the the whole point is when we start looking at um, all all these changes that are going out there, a lot of them mean they want reduced tillage. They want cover crops. Well, we're in a cold climate. We have a lot of disease problems already. How bad are the diseases going to be then? And I'm not saying, you know, oh, that's why we shouldn't do these practices. I'm fine with the practices. I'm just saying as we get bigger and bigger yields and we have, we're trying to hold soil moisture and everything else, I think disease control is just going to become much more of an issue moving forward. All right, so the next product I wanted to ask you about was Maverick. Now, if I'm looking at this right, you've got the same modes of action anyway as what Resicor would have from Corteva, correct? Yes. Yeah, not same modes of action. Yeah, not necessarily the exact same products or anything, but at least the same modes of action. It's three modes of action. Yep, yep. So combining clopyrolid, uh, pyroxysulfone, and mesotrione. And the, well, go ahead. I was just going to ask. So I, I'm looking at your tech sheet on that. And so why are you getting with yours better control on Palmer and maybe even barnyard grass than some of these other premixes that are out there? Is it just that pyroxysulfone component? Yes. Yep. That's going to be the big difference in these products. In addition to one of the things I look at as also being a farmer, the the use rate is uh, it's a lot easier to work with. Yeah, I was just going to bring so, that up. It looks like a lot lower use rate. Yep, yep. So less handling of jugs or containers or whatever. But when we're looking at a 14, the, the maximum use rate pre-emerge is one quart. When you look at some of the other products, you're talking... 80, 90, oh, yeah. 100 ounces. So. Yep, for sure. Okay, I got uh, two more questions. Hopefully we have time to get to these. All right, uh, Zeal Pro. So I, I, I know uh, there are a lot of mites out there this year, and I made the mistake on our farm of just spraying some bifenthrin in June. And it's like, what? A, it was my own fault. I screwed it up. But when we have spider mites that early, we got to go with something better. So first of all, what's different about Zeal Pro versus the old Zeal? Well, so it's a new enhanced formulation, and uh, we're getting more absorption and translocation in the plant. And so it's resulting in, in better uh, activity on all stages. If, As you know with zeal, it's uh, a mite growth regulator. So it's, it's not the knockdown product as uh, bifenthrin or some of the others. It's, uh, it, it more affects the hormones in the mites and... And so Zeal SC or the, the previous formulation, for example, you're looking at 
up to two weeks before you see some significant reduction in the population. Now, they might be there. They're not acting normal. But uh, when we go to Zeal Pro, we're seeing the, the same kind of control in like seven days. So still not a knockdown product, but getting closer and uh, much faster. All right. Last question that I've got for you is Valor, Fall Valor. I, I, I personally believe there's going to be a fair amount of interest in that this fall because we're going to have an early harvest through much of the country because of the dry weather. we got a lot more people talking about kochia and mare's tail and water hemp and winter annuals. And my suggestion has been, hey, if you're going to do it, run four ounces. Don't get chintzy and go two or three ounces. But talk to us for just a minute about Fall Valor. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, it's fantastic option for, I, I catch myself cause I used to say no till, but also for the strip till guys out there too. Cause I say with strip till, you got to handle that as no till. Yep. You essentially have both within the same field, but, uh, no, what I've seen for years is going through, you go out in the fall with your burn down roundup, 2,4-D dicamba, whatever it is, and throwing in valor, it just, helps tremendously with cleaning up a bunch of those weeds and then you come into the spring and it's clean and so one thing that we haven't talked about is that will help tremendously with that is the the changes we made with the Bayer Plus program for 2022. Yeah. So, yep, it can so, be a little bit more lucrative there. Keep that cost down. Hey, Trevor, we got to run, but thanks a lot for the time. Really appreciate it. it. Looks like an exciting time in 2022 for Valent. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks. I'll be right back. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF. That's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. When you're ready to harvest more corn, Drago is ready to help. 
The proven Drago Series 2 Cornhead with automatic self-adjusting deck plates beats competitive brands for harvest efficiency. And the new Drago GT features integrated deck plate ear shocks for unsurpassed yield capture. Harvest more, return more with a Drago Cornhead. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Today in the show, we've been talking about what's new for 2022. I'm Brian Hefty. We're live in the Morton studio here. Well, we talked to a few companies today, and I mentioned a few things, but there are a lot of new fungicides, a lot of new herbicides, definitely new soybean products, corn products. I mean, whatever seed you raise, I'm sure there are new varieties. There's always new stuff in agriculture. You've got to try to keep up on these things. And here's my number one thing that I want you to think about today. When you try new things, and we want you to, that's important. If you're going to get ahead on the farm, you can't keep doing things the way you've always done them. I mean, you got to try to make advances all the time. But when you try these new things, please do it on a small scale. Don't take something that's brand new, never tried it before, and put it on the entire farm. Uh, that sometimes can be a recipe for disaster. It's always good to start slow, learn a little bit, and go from there. It's also good to kind of prove it to yourself. Hey, does this work or does it not? That's what we say about fungicides all the time. Try this out. Let's split some fields, run some tests. More than anything, though, you know, what we talk about here on Ag PhD is trying to help you manage through the risk and manage through, all right, where should I best spend my dollars with things? In other words, when is a herbicide most likely to pay? When is a fungicide most likely to pay? When is a drought tolerant, well, I think that's pretty obvious, uh, corn more likely to pay? Things like that. But anyway, again, I just try stuff on a small scale. And we're going to be talking more throughout the next few months about what's going to be new for the crop season of 2022. One of the biggest things right now, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, I just said Roundup and Liberty are going to be tight in supply and high price. So Roundup, for example, though, um, they do have a new formulation. It's Roundup Power Max 3, so it's a little bit more concentrated. So 30 ounces as opposed to 32 ounces. Not a big deal, but even right now, the odds are you're probably talking to your herbicide dealer about, hey, can I get some Roundup here in September? I know now is the cheapest time. I know things are going up before spring. I know stuff's going to run out again, most likely by June next year. So I just want to get my product before I start harvest. And that's great. That's a good idea. But when you call, uh, they're probably going to tell you, yeah, we've got this new product. It's Roundup PowerMax 3 as opposed to the old stuff. So part of the reason why I bring this up is if you've got a partial tank of PowerMax, they don't want you putting the PowerMax 3 into the old PowerMax. And legally, any repack person, any retailer out there, they can't put 
the new product into the old product because they're different EPA registration numbers and they're different use rates. So it's just something for you to be thinking about that pretty much every person in the United States who wants to buy name brand Roundup PowerMax is now going to get PowerMax 3. Other than I understand in the Pacific Northwest, they're going to stay with the old PowerMax for just a little bit longer yet. So anyway, uh, that's one of the things that's changing and one of the things that could affect you right now if you're trying to pick up product yet here uh, before you get into harvest this fall. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, first one, this is from this is Tom from Georgia. He actually called in and left us this question. He said, I want to know what causes brace roots. Also, are brace roots affected by planting depth? Uh, so why do we see them in some years and not in others? And then my sister Janelle uh, just threw this comment in here. Uh, Tell him everything you know about brace roots. Janelle is running the controls for me today. Anyway, um, okay. I don't think you want to hear everything I know about brace roots, but, but let's just answer those specific questions. First of all, what causes brace roots? Stress. By stress, what we mean is that the plant doesn't feel that it can support itself because of wind, or let's say it's got a great big ear of corn on there, a lot of weight toward the top. For whatever reason, the, the plant does not feel it can support itself, so it puts out brace roots to try to stabilize itself. Uh, are brace roots affected by planting depth? Uh, well, I was about to say no, but I will say yes, it would be, because think about it. Are you going to have a more stable plant if you plant it at half inch deep? I mean, I think we all as farmers know that's way too shallow. you got to be at least an inch and a half or two inches deep. So, yes, it's possible. If we planted way too shallow, then the plant's not going to grow like it should, and I'm going to assume it's going to be uh, more, I'll, I'll just use the word tippy, uh, it's going to be able to tip over easily, more easily, so brace roots would most likely grow there. Uh, why do we see them in some years, not in others? It's wind, it's the size of the ear, whatever else. So, yes, brace roots are, as a, are a result of stress. All right, next question here. This one is Donnie from Colorado who just wrote in a little bit ago. He says, I just purchased a sprayer for my ATV, a 25-gallon tank. I'm having problems trying to find the right mix of 2,4-D for spot spraying, what he's looking at is the rate, uh, I think he means. He says, I heard to use three to four ounces per gallon. I will be spraying creeping, he says, creeping thistle and cocklebur. Also, would surfactant help? And if so, how much would I add? All right, so Donnie, my suggestion, if you want to use 2,4-D, is don't use the old stuff, the old amine or ester. That's what we used to have. That stuff blows all over the country and volatilizes, so don't use that. Just get the new stuff, the new 2,4-D choline. Freelex is the name. Um, it's much more stable, and you're not going to kill all kinds of stuff. With, with the old stuff, I often joke with people. I mean, when I was growing up, and that was one of my first jobs on the farm, was spraying 2,4-D, and I killed my mom's uh, garden, killed her flowers, dropped leaves off the trees. That stuff moved all over the place. I couldn't stop it. So don't use the old stuff. Use the new stuff. But anyway, in terms of the rate you should be using, well, oh, let me answer answer the surfactant question first. There's already There are already adjuvants in there, so no, you don't need to add surfactant. Could it help a little bit? Yes, but a small amount. Now, three to four ounces per gallon, here's what I would look at. Um, if you go four ounces, that's one part herbicide to 32 parts water, 
I can promise you that is not going to be enough. So the first thing I'm always going to look at is, and I always will ask people, well, how many acres are you going to cover with that 25 gallons? Let's say it's two acres. You got to have enough stuff in there for two acres. Okay, well, what does that take? The standard rate's a quart, and you might be able to use, or I, in a lot of cases, might recommend two quarts. So, I mean, if we're talking 25 gallons, let's see, and you had said four ounces, I mean, that's 100 ounces. I'd probably be bumping that a little bit more. So if it's me, I'm probably throwing in at least a gallon for a tank full uh, and maybe even gallon and a half or something like that. But you'll just have to see how much uh, area you cover. All right, next one here. Um, this is just a comment from Tom about subsurface irrigation. Uh, we were doing a show recently talking about subsurface irrigation. Anyway, he just said, I'd be interested in that. If it could handle liquid manure, uh, maybe long term uh, they can come up with something like that because I think it would be a game changer. So then it's all done below ground. Um, and he's talking about how he's organic and stuff like that. So, yes, Tom, I agree with you. It would be kind of nice if we could run manure through a system like that. Uh, so certainly you got to be concerned about any solids that are in there. That's the real problem. It's going to have to be in a very, very liquid form in order for it to run through and you don't plug stuff up when we're talking about subsurface irrigation. Okay, uh, probably last one I'll get to today. This is from Jim, and he had written in a little while back, um, and here was his original thing. He said, I heard a segment of Ag PhD where he advocated for extensive tiling. My question is, are you in the ag community aware of the devastating effects of funneling all that water downstream where it just becomes someone else's problem? It's a serious issue, but I've never heard any concern from the ag community about it. So we answered his question, and then he came back with this. He said, I still don't understand. You finished answering my question by saying subsurface tiling is a big plus, while above ground ditching is a big negative, but I still see all kinds of uh, above ground ditching that's done in my area in northwest Iowa, and this provides a super highway for this water to go downstream. Okay, so let me first say, Jim, that and I, I don't remember how we answered the original question, but what I always tell people is if I'm a farmer, and I, which I am, and I put tile on the ground, which I have, the only way I pay for that tile is with yield increase. Well, if I have yield increase, that means there's less water that can go downstream. And as much as we want to talk about streams, rivers, um, you know, all the stuff we see above ground and tile lines, don't ever forget that water's moving below ground too. And also, if we don't lower the water table well then when we get big rains then there's massive flash flash flooding so we don't want that now what we were talking about with the subsurface so what i'm saying is this um funneling all the water downstream is absolutely not true there's absolutely going to be less water downstream eventually when you tile not more but in terms of having a whole bunch of ditches out there yeah we just don't like seeing a whole bunch of ditches what we want ideally is subsurface tile so the water filters out slowly and it only goes out of the field roughly at a half an inch or a quarter inch per day per acre that's kind of how we have things set up on our farm to basically slow everything down all right, well, before we go, I just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle running the controls today, and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.